Hello and welcome to WNHH Radio's Dateline New Haven. I'm your host, Paul Bass, inviting you to look behind the headlines on the stories that make New Haven fit. We have a doubleheader today on Dateline. First up will be Justin Farmer, a new face in local politics whom a lot of you are going to get to know, and a man with a compelling personal story. Later this hour, we will speak with Quentin Staggers, the organizer of a Housing Not Jails march against the, quote, criminalization of homelessness, which is scheduled to take place Wednesday, which I understand from reading your Facebook page, Justin Farmer, you plan to, to, to be there as well. And uh, so, Justin, I'm, thanks for coming to the studio. I'm going to ask you to bring your microphone really close to your mouth so we okay. can hear you. Is this good? That's perfect. Okay. So, Justin, you are running for a seat on Hamden's Legislative Council. I am. Uh, fifth District, correct? Yes. And you're, what, 23 years old? I am 23. Wow, okay. And you're not running against anybody. There's no Republican in the race, correct? No. I uh, had a competitive primary, and... Um, I guess they are going easy on me this time. <laughs> so November 7th, if you show up at the polls and cast a ballot, you're going to win. Yes, I have to remember to vote for myself. Yeah, you do have to remember to vote, yeah. <laughs> That's one of the requisites here. But you did have a competitive primary. I did. And what's interesting to me is you're a Democrat. I am. And you're running against a progressive Democrat, and you're a progressive Democrat. Yeah, I, uh, progressive is a complicated word these yeah, days. It is. It's always been a, prog- a complicated <laughs> word. But what I'm... What I'm getting at is that you have no republican opponent yeah you had two people call themselves progressives in a primary what's happening in hamden this is not the hamden i used to know um so for i would say it's a little different for me i've lived the majority of my life in hamden uh 20 odd some years of it but i've lived in southern hamden in new hallville so i live on the borderline between hamden and new haven i thought they don't call it new hallville on the hamden side i thought they call it new hall am i wrong about that um it depends on who you talk to how did you what'd you call it growing up i call it new hallville um some people call it highwood right highwood i'm sorry Highwood. yeah 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 that's what i was thinking um mostly people slightly older than me call it Highwood. They do in the young, and is that because younger people see it as one neighborhood, and you don't see the state, this town line? Yeah, I, I live on the borderline, so between the two, you know, Lincoln Bassett School is three blocks away from me. Oh, so, you know, you know what I always notice when I walk around there, Justin, is I know when I've crossed into Hamden, because the street signs look different, and the properties are a little bit further apart. Isn't that true? So the, the streets are kept a little cleaner, fair or not fair? I, 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 I fair, but I realized I didn't know Hampton. Um, one of the things that, as I was knocking on doors, talking to people, I realized that that line that you're talking about, the first three or four houses, in some cases on some of those side streets, the first five houses are actually Hampton properties mm. and not New Haven. And that completely changed how I saw the neighborhood because that line is not that Goodridge line. It's actually a couple of houses across from Goodridge are actually uh, Hamden. I'm that, thinking also like Cherry Ann Street. Yeah, Cherry Ann. Yeah, Cherry Ann Street. That's on the other side of Dixwell. Yeah. So that street is actually half Hamden. So you have a couple of houses over there that are Hamden. And again, at one side of the street, the northern side of the street is the Hamden. The southern side is New Haven. Exactly. New Haven, you have 
New Haven side has these these big apartment buildings that's owned yeah. by a big yeah, property that, management that's firm. that's definitely New Haven. And that's, yeah. the property management firm does not do a good job there. It's kind of trashy. Yeah. But on the other side, those houses are quite well kept. Yeah. And for the first time, the neighbors on both sides got together in the last couple of years and got the Cherry Ann Park going, yeah. which was a happy story. Yeah. But so you grew up thinking of it as New Hallville? Yeah. Um, I'm actually a block away from the Shelton uh, Liquor Store, mm-hmm. which is also Hamden. Um, oh really yeah I always thought that was New Haven okay there you go you've now proved your point yeah it it completely changes perspective Um, so my family is originally from Jamaica they my mom immigrated here 10 years before I was born Mm -hmm. and um, originally we moved in to East Rock before it was more gentrified Um, which side of East Rock so I forget the Goldfield side because there's Orange uh, Orange Street is sort of a dividing line we were fur- further enough in, like where we lived, it's all grad students. Yeah, yeah, that's the Goldfield ghetto. Yeah, so yeah. but that's changing. It, yeah, it, it has changed a lot. Um, and then we moved to where I live. We lived across the street before the revitalization, as that area had the soil problem from near the school. Yeah, from the Winchester. So Hamden Middle School is a block away from me. So that house that I grew up in sunk into the ground. But really? Six. Yeah. Six years before that, we moved across the street. Wait, did it sink in the ground while you were there? No. So we moved across the street six years before it sunk in the what ground. What does it mean it sank into the ground? The soil over there isn't steady, so it's part of it. Like a few inches, or did you actually go underground If you there? looked at it head on, you're like, oh, it's level. And if you looked at it from the side, you see that part of it is like this. Wow. Until it actually... You know, was unstable enough. But you got you you got out of there before the ship yeah, sank. We yes, we we were very smart buyers and decided to invest on the other side of the street. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like growing up in Hamden, New Hallville? I did. I I think for me, it's one of the things about this area, the Greater New Haven area, is that I'm close to places like Yale, and I was able to see the juxtaposition between the two communities very early. I. Uh, Actually ended up going to Spring Glen School, Hamden Middle School, Hamden High. Was that when Spring Glen still had no walls between the classes, or that already changed by the time you went there? So, third grade, it didn't, and then fourth grade, I was the first new fourth grade class into the new uh, Spring Glen Elementary School. And was that, am I right, that it was an experiment in a school without walls, and people just couldn't hear themselves think in that place, and they eventually put the walls up? Yes. You had, like, little divider walls. It was kind of like, you know office cubicles it, uh-huh. was, it was a very interesting experience which did you like better the walls or no walls <laughs> um i think having actual classrooms made a huge difference and in terms of aesthetics you'd have some teachers who had their own styles and instead of like walking through a maze of cubicles you got to see like this is my classroom this is where i belong this is my home for this year or so mm-hmm so I like the latter. More structure. Yeah. All right. Well, you're listening to Justin Farmer, a product of Hamden, <laughs> right by the New Hallville, New Haven Hamden line. His generation calls it New Hallville. <laughs> the, the old heads called it Highwood. Highwood. And Justin is a candidate, Democratic candidate for the 5th District Legislative Council in Hamden, not having a Republican around against him. So here's what I was getting at earlier, Justin, mm-hmm. is that not only... Do I believe there were always Republicans running for offices and winning in Hamden in the past? 
The Democratic Party itself was not affiliated with the progressive or liberal, whatever wing you want to call it. And at least it seems to me from way in a distance in New Haven that there's been a change accelerated by the 26th presidential election with the Bernie Sanders campaign and then Donald Trump's election. But even before that, where the would New Haven, Hampton started to go more than New Haven, isn't it? At least it, politically. It, it, it's interesting. So uh, I have to give a plug. My good friend Brad McDowell is running in the ninth. Um, we worked together on campaigns in Milford and... He was convincing me, hey, you should run. You should run. We need new young people in here with perspectives. He's a year older than me. And then the presidential election happened, and that changed everything. We started to organize and get together. I had worked with working families uh, the previous election cycle um, and do lots of activism work here in New Haven where... You know, what kind of activism work have you done in New Haven? So I've worked with ULA, Junta, um, worked with some of the unions. So you've worked on immigration rights and labor issues. Yeah, the okay. police brutality. I've, uh, You name a group, I've probably been associated or done some work with them or tried to be a good ally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to bring that energy to Hamden. You mm-hmm. know, I feel that I have a home in two places between the two cities. But, you know, Hamden is close to me and I want to see some of that same spirit in Hamden. And in that sense, I think you are right that you're starting to see that change where, you know, you have groups like Ham Pam that are getting involved in action together where you're starting to see people in Hamden organize and really push for a more progressive agenda. Right. So first you had the Josh Elliott campaign for state rep and you had people who worked on the Bernie Sanders campaign after that campaign was over, they camped to Hamden and got him elected. Very, very progressive Democrat. And as you mentioned, Ham Pan, which isn't working just in New Haven, but in suburbs that are yeah. redder, to try to, to work on that. So you felt as someone who was involved in activism in New Haven that there was now a place for that in Hamden. Yeah. I, Had there not been before? I guess that's hard for me to say because probably five years ago, I wasn't really cognizant of politics. Mm-hmm. Um, but over the last couple of years... Um, I've been more and more aware of how politics is important. And for me, identity politics was brought up in this conversation. And for me, I lived an urban environment where you have the shooting range is just a couple of blocks down from me. The mm-hmm. shooting range by um, Sherman Parkway, the New yeah. Haven police. You have that down the street. And then, you know, I went to Spring Glen. I, my first job was at uh, Brooksville Park, Justin Farmer at Brooksville Park. Good name for it. Yeah. But then I also... Which is as far away from New Haven as you can get. As far, yeah. What was your job there? I was a camp counselor. So, you know, you have that. And then the opposite juxtaposition to that is that for about five years, we lived next to drug dealers and had a serious problem with, you know, gang violence. In Hamden. In Hamden, on the Hamden side. And it makes it very weird that there could be two different society i was saying like you were marching against the police in new haven was there a need to march against police in hamden there is structural change that needs to happen with police and policing um community policing is not what it needs to be Mm -hmm. and what about in hamden like how do you feel about the hamden police force in the last three years between hamden and new haven police have been stopped around 16 times whoa yeah um so and had you ever been doing anything wrong 
No. Like, did you just happen I to don't. be waving a gun or be offering some drugs <laughs> for sale or something? No. And I don't Six, drive. I'm sorry, 16 times in how many years? Uh, 16 times between Hamden and New Haven in the last three years. Oh, my God. Were, were you in a car? No, I don't drive. So how'd they stop you? Just walking? Walking. And, and that, what did they stop you for? Are you in my, so my, to be fair, my definition of stopped is if an officer pulls their gun or puts their hand on their holster. That's a pretty good definition. Yeah. Um, and just even people as simply and They pull the gun on you? Uh, I've had a couple of instances. Like, like take the gun out and put it, aiming at you. So in the last three years, I've been stopped 29 times. Uh, a couple of times I've had guns pulled out on me. Wait, they said 16 times. 16 times between Hamden and New Haven. 29 times in the last three years altogether. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but what, why does this happen? What are the circumstances? Most of the circumstances are you don't want, look like you belong here. To which, Do they actually say that? In more or less words. Like what do they say? Like, oh, are you lost? Where are you going? Do you have a friend here? Those and where are you in those times? In my neighborhood, downtown <laughs> New Haven, on the green. On in the green? city. Yes. Uh, and when you, those type of questions can easily. And what, what, did, what did it take that they pulled the gun out? So I had a couple of altercations where, you know, I'm twitching, which we'll get into with me having Tourette's where some people got startled. And I think that's a real conversation that we eventually need to have about policing and how to handle different situations as someone slightly moving around. So you start twitching, so they pull the gun. They pulled a gun. They that quickly, happened in Hamden and New Haven? So that hasn't happened in Hamden or New Haven, but that's happened in other parts of the state. Oh, so they never pulled a gun in Hamden, in Hamden or, New or New Haven? No. But uh, uh, in Hamden, New Haven, you just get stopped and say you lost you from here. Do you get upset? Yeah. or? Uh, th- there's not much to be upset because, to be fair, I I noticed the juxtaposition. So like, I don't know which where I fall into that, and that's why I'm trying to bring around that conversation that we need to have a place for everyone and that we need to really talk about what a transformative community looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, Part of that is identity politics, but part of that is getting back to a progressive agenda, talking about what families and communities need. All right. So you're listening to Justin Farmer here on Dateline New Haven, WNHH radio, your home for community radio at 103.5 FM. Justin is 23 years old. He'd been involved in political activism in New Haven, but grew up in Hamden, still lives there, and now is running for a seat on the Hamden Legislative Council, and the political expert risky pundits of New Haven are predicting that he is going to prevail in November, on November 7th, because if he shows up and votes, he gets elected. There's no Republican opponent. So, Justin, you have Tourette's Syndrome. What is Tourette's Syndrome? So, Tourette's Syndrome is a neurological disorder. Um, I've had it for about five years. I... I'm sensitive to noise, and it manifests itself in physical tics, which mm-hmm. uh, you have mechanical and phonic tics. Mechanical are me making weird movements, and phonic are saying stuff or making utterances or noises. So what, how did you find out you have it? said only five years ago, so you were already a teenager, which is not the most comfortable time in life <laughs> socially. And what happened all of a sudden? Did you start like freaking out when you started hearing stuff, or what was going I, on? So... The best way I explain it is that it's like if you get a sneeze, that you feel this type of energy build up, and you know you need to get rid of it. And if you try to hold in a sneeze long enough, eventually you're just going to sneeze, and it's way more uncomfortable. Um, but it turned out not to be a sneeze. It turned out not to be a sneeze. So but I, at first you thought it was. 
Yeah. Well, like the analogy between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, so for me, yeah, I, um, it was this sensation in my muscles. I felt something was going on, and to deal with it, I, I first ignored it, and then I started to have little mini seizure episodes and i realized like oh i need to actually look into this and where were you at the time were you in school we were gonna so yeah the first time i had something like that i realized i was super sensitive to noise and a fire alarm went off and i just you know dropped to the ground started convulsing oh my goodness that's a fit that's it that's yeah. like it's like an epileptic fit yeah and i uh since then i figured out like between medication and knowing myself and wearing the noise canceling headphones i found a way to deal with the uh the some of the effects of having Tourette's all right and but Patrick Johnson writes in farmer for fifth <laughs> looks like even if you forget if you oversleep looks like if Patrick votes in, in Hamden you might be getting in yeah I hope so <laughs> Emmett Hale Farnsworth was sometimes he's walking to my house and Jennifer Pope writes in thanks for the ham pan shout out thanks folks <laughs> for listening to WNHH radio Dateline New Haven and we're talking to Justin Farmer about Tourette's syndrome, but he's running for office. So you re, you decide to run for office even though you have Tourette's. And you were going to be in some loud places, some unfamiliar places. And do you wear your noise-mitigating headphones everywhere you go? Pretty much. Um, not the shower or while I'm sleeping. But, uh, yeah, pretty much everywhere else. Um, I think for me, one of the things is that with Trump running, he kind of broke many glass ceilings. And we have someone who uncouthly speaks about people and says things and is just rude and just cleaning people with disabilities yeah he yeah he has gone out of his way to say things that politicians shouldn't say so for me i'm like i feel that i have a genuine passion to contribute and help my community that my disability shouldn't come into the way um so you knocked on people's doors and understand you are a very active door knocker you really worked hard <laughs> in that primary you would walk with your headphones on. Yeah. I, people at first say, what's this young guy? Listen to his music. What are you bothering me? And you want to talk to me? Why are you listening to music? People have to say things like that to you. Uh, yeah. You'd have some people. But to be something that was really transformative for me, most of the people, if I explain that I had Tourette's, just like I have Tourette's and that's why I wear headphones, most people after that were completely fine and uh, gave me the time to really earn their vote. So. They made it easy on me. Was there anything challenging about campaigning with Tourette's? I think, yeah. You know, making sure to talk about a really real disability, but at the same time realize like, hey, we've had t plenty of people with disabilities. Some of our greatest presidents have been people with disabilities. Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Exactly. One of our greatest and have been able to transcend that. And for me, I'm very aware. Something that I campaigned on was special education and ECS funding, educational cost sharing. So I What what about ECS funding? Well, Hamden has been shortchanged to the tune of 18 million for the last 10 years. And when we talk about funding for our schools, Hamden specializes in providing special education services, and that means that we have kids who are the most disenfranchised not getting the services they need. And I know that firsthand. And that was something that even though it was challenging to talk about having a disability. This was something that was able to open the conversation and say, hey. So ECS funding comes from the state. Is that something someone on the legislative council can impact? Not as much, but one thing that 
I do know is that 2018 elections are going to be a big thing and we need people to organize and we need people to be aware of the situations that are going on. Most mm -hmm. students and parents probably three or four years ago had no idea what ECS meant and we really need to cement. And as an elected official, you can raise that awareness. What about, what kind of local issues did you, you said more special yeah. ed funding, that was a local issue, you'd like to see more money for special education? Well, education in general, but to make sure that we also hold solvent the special education services we have, as that's something we do very well. Um, I talked about culture and diversity. Um, Hamden is a burgeoning town slash city, mm -hmm. and we have a large Iranian um, I didn't know that. Um, immigrant community. Iranian immigrants. Yeah. We have a large community. We have a large black and Hispanic community. Uh, my family, we're Jamaican. You have a large West Indian community. And talking about the cultural differences in context of community, and then to talk about some of the problems like the opioid crisis or whatever Trump happens to tweet, you know, in any Did Trump view. motivate you to run? <laughs> I Did you say, say this that. guy's dissing people like me? I'm getting in the system. I had a desire to run, but it made me be able to really say that this shouldn't be a problem. And if we can have we if we can allow someone like Trump to be elected, then as leftists and progressives that we need to really say, like, put our money where our mouth is and really test the system and see that. Can we achieve the things that we want to see? And Justin Farm, we talked about the diversity, Hamden, the um had you seen growing up the black community in the Newhallville Highwood area represented in town politics well is the West Indian committee represented? I mean, you, you have had elected officials, including yeah. state and local. Is there an increasing need for that? I think we've had a couple of individuals represent our community, but it, it takes more than just representing the community. You have to know the dynamics between Hamden and New Haven and how those two things affect each other. Why do we need to know that? So for me, being on the borderline, you know, I'm three blocks away from the R, which is Reed Street mm -hmm. and Star Street that have problems with drug dealing and with crime. And then when you have five methadone clinics in New Haven and a ton of halfway houses opening up around the block, I think that's something that you, if you're not cognizant of that, you can't best minister and talk about community. Policing. Is it fair to say the border is somewhat invisible when it comes to tackling some of these problems? I I would say that's a fair assessment. So you say you got to understand New Haven to serve Hamden. You got to understand for that southern part of Hamden, you got to understand some of the dynamics that are going on, mm -hmm. and you have to be willing to really put in the work and organize and work together on, you know, New Haven, we all want New Haven to be that city. But for New Haven to be the city of Connecticut, we have to have great ring suburbs. Mm. And that means having good property value. That means talking about social dynamics and identity politics that allow for livable cities and for people to want to move and have young professionals like myself come to New Haven, come to Hamden and settle down and start a family. Our, our fates are joined. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Yes. And then uh, what do you do for a living, Justin? So right now I'm a student at Southern Connecticut. What are you studying? I'm studying bio and political science. Okay. Do you live with your folks or? Yeah, I all right, good deal. And how you guys get along? What's it like being 23, living with your folks? My kids are out. Uh, it, it's interesting having, you know, mom say like, hey, you, you didn't mow the lawn. And I'm like, yep, well, I was at a council meeting. No, I got so. your answer now. Mom, if, you, if you're going to make me mow the lawn, your taxes are going up. 
<laughs> you want the inspectors coming by the house, Mom? I, I happen to know someone downtown. Patrick Johnson writes in, he is composed and well-spoken. So proud to know him. Tyrese Ford says, one of my closest friends. Sean Gray says, he is such an inspiration. Emmett Hale Farnsworth, this is one of the most incredible people I know. Wow. So, Justin Farmer, I'm even more confident now <laughs> that you are going to be elected November 7th, the new councilman from the legislative councilman from the 5th district where you were the only candidate running. Yeah. But uh, you did win a primary. What was the primary like? You had a competitive primary against an incumbent, Ali Heimer. Well, tell me how that went. It was it was interesting. So I knocked on, uh, a li- personally, I knocked on a little bit over 5,000 doors. How um, many constituents do you have? There's about 6,000, 7,000 people in the district. Hmm. Um, um, and tried to really go out there talk. It's to a lot them. of doors. Yeah, I only got to talk to around, you know, five hundred, six hundred people out of you know those thousands. Ninety percent are using at home. Yeah. Wow. Um, but we had a really aggressive ground game for four months, knocking on doors. We did a listening tour to hear some of the complaints uh, from people, and then use that to really say what are the core things we're going to talk about. Excellent. Um, yeah. So it. It was an interesting learning experience. Well, Justin, congratulations on that victory. Thank I'm going to go out on a limb. <laughs> congratulations on probably getting elected November 7th. Although I guess anything can happen. <laughs> and um, good luck in your new career. And this Wednesday, I understand I, by your Facebook page, you are planning to be in New Haven. You say that we have to, our fates are joined. Yeah. You plan to be marching in a, a march in uh, New Haven for housing, not jail. Yeah. Starting at 3 p.m. on, on Wednesday at 57 Olive Street to uh, argue for stopping, quote, decriminalizing homelessness and looking at taxi Yale and putting more housing for the homeless. Um, it turns out that right in the studio right now, yeah. we have an organizer of that event. His name is Quentin Staggers. So I'm going to thank you, Justin, for showing up today. No problem. It was a real pleasure to meet you. I hope you're going to be back on Dateline New Haven. Yes. We're not, we're not going to let you just go without you. I'm going to keep <laughs> something here that you're going to have to reclaim, maybe some keys or something. And we're going we're gonna to play uh, a little interlude with the Afro-Semitic experience, a Hamden New Haven band. <laughs> As we change through little musical chairs, have Quentin Styers get in your seat, pick up your headphones, and we'll be back in about 30 seconds on WNHH Radio's Dateline New Haven. Welcome back to Dateline New Haven. That's the Afro-Semitic experience in the Slachlanu season that's just passed. I'm Paul Bash, your host. We just talked to Justin Farmer, who is a um, new face on the political scene. I think we're going to be seeing a lot of. One more favorite. Terry Sandoval Schaefer wrote it. This is my awesome new town council. Very proud of Justin. A lot of love on the on that episode for Justin Farmer. And now we have the pleasure of having Quentin Stagger in the studio. Proud to meet you. Nice to meet you, Quentin. I'm going to ask you during this episode to please get really close to that mic so you're almost touching it, but not quite. Okay. And Quentin, are the uh, headphones okay? Absolutely. All right, man. So, Quentin, you are helping to lead a march on Wednesday, November 1st in New Haven on behalf of the homeless. 
It's going to start at 3 o'clock at 57 Olive Street and march over to 268 Park. And it's being called Housing Not Jails. What's this march all about, Quentin, and why are you organizing it? Well, yes, um, I'm currently, uh, my name is Quentin Staggers, and um, I'm a homeless outreach and advocate for the homeless and less fortunate. Um, I've been homeless for the last six and a half years. Are you um, homeless now? Yes, I am. Actually, I just received my housing voucher yesterday. Congratulations. Thanks a lot. Where you been living? On New Haven Green. Oh, my goodness. You sleep on the green? Sleep on the green. Slept in abandoned buildings, houses. Do the cops let you sleep on the green? Absolutely not. Um, it's, it's now it's, you're getting ticketed or arrested. I mean, can you ever make it the whole night or no? Uh, usually, we use, usually sometimes in the community we can make it the whole night. But um, it's, it's more so... Uh, I'm out of harassment, and uh, it's time to get up and go. And uh, Do you think the police are wrong to not want people to sleep on the green? I, I really do, because, you know, at, at times we feel very safe uh, to be sleeping on the um, town green. Um, no risky shelter. You know, we had an incident where Ray Roberson's body was found. In, uh, in an abandoned building. Absolutely. So when you, kick us, when you kick us out of the parks, that leads us into risky shelter. Being in buildings, we put, we're not supposed to be. And... Um, it cause it can cause to bad things, assaults, murders, rapes. That was a weird scene they had. Ray Robinson, I guess some guy had like a little cult there or something, and absolutely had it all wired in that abandoned building that's now being turned into upscale apartments on Crown Street. So, uh, Quentin, how did you get homeless? How did um, you become homeless? Well, I, well, I came from prison out of uh, 2011, and um, you know, um, right after prison, I, I began to like, you know do a lot of lot of homework and a lot of footwork and get applications and for jobs, especially those places where I wanted to give back and help others. Um, unfortunately, didn't get hired, fell back in the grips of, you know, finding housing, who can I go to, and it just became a, a struggle for me, and I just became homeless. And Did you grow up in New Haven, Quinn? Absolutely, all my life. You part of a family with Corey Staggers and those guys? Yes, cousins. All right. So did you grow up in West Hills? I grew up in I grew up in Dixville Avenue Dixville projects. Avenue. Okay. Ashman Street Project. Oh, Ashman before they were how old are you now? Yes, I'm forty seven. Oh, okay. So you were there before they got torn down and yes, turned I into was. Monterey. Do you mind if I ask what you were in jail for? Um I was in jail for um possession of, of narcotics, um, violation probation. Um the fast life I have chosen to take at one point in time. And, so twenty eleven uh, you came out? Yes, 2011 said, came out. No more fast life. You wanted to. No more fast life. Where were you staying? Um, I was actually staying um at a halfway house when I was released from prison, and then from the halfway house, it just became no help at all. And yeah. that's the big issue, right? When people coming out of jail, because I think at least the last count it was something like 25 people a week are released from state prison into New Haven, and there's a concern that there's not a place for people to live. Absolutely. So you you've been homeless. Wow, that's a long time. Six and a half years. Yes. What, what are you doing? You don't go to the homeless shelters or the um, shelters? I've 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 been um sent to Grand Avenue, the place the shelter they have uh here in New Haven. Um, I went there one day. I went there one day and and, and just looked at the place and it was bag butt infested. It had uh you know no space to to move around. You got you know one big bathroom to seventy five guys. And it just wasn't for me. Just it felt like I was still in prison, mm. you know. Um, and I just what didn't. about Columbus House? Well, Columbus House. The thing with Columbus House is, you know, they're the major, they're the major, major stone when it comes to uh, homelessness. Um, it's unfortunately that they don't have that many people there at the Columbus House, and you're the big organization. 
for the homelessness. Saying there are enough beds when you go? Oh, it's not enough beds. They don't have enough beds at Columbus House. I think they have no more than 50, 60 people in that place at all. So you're you saying know? there are enough beds in New Haven? Absolutely not. Now, they claim that they got rid of chronic homelessness in New Haven, that there weren't people there for more than a little while. Everyone was fine in housing. Well, it's not true because, you know, we was told by Tony Harp, the mayor last year, that no one would be homeless in September of last year, and we're still here. Um, and it's not true. And it's unfortunately that, you know, there's so many vacant buildings and properties in the city that it can house everyone that's homeless. Mm. All right. And that's going to lead us up to the march now. Absolutely. So where'd you sleep last night? Well, last night I I slept behind Zinc Pizza right here in uh, downtown New Haven. Saint what? Zinc Pizza. Oh, it's a restaurant. Right, that's, um, so there's a little interior courtyard there. There's a little interior courtyard. We sleep in the garages. We find a little comfy spot where we can't get wet. And we just, you, have, you know. You say we. You have people you hang with? Yes, because there's a homeless community. There's a homeless community here in New Haven, downtown New Haven, that, you know, we try to sleep together. We don't try to, like, you know, have just some individuals here and an individual here. We try to, like, stay together so we can stay protected. And, you know. Um, I can imagine that's important. Absolutely. Do, do, where do you keep your stuff? Like, I don't see a sleeping bag. I mean, well, I, I carry a book bag with me every day. Um, I, I am involved with a day program called Connections where they storage um, my goods and stuff like so that. So you get, you get a blanket or anything that you sleep with? I've, I've been around. Um, I've got blankets, pillows, um, stashed and different spots in the city. Because tonight they're talking about 38 degrees. Where are you going to sleep when it's 38 degrees? I'm going to find somewhere to sleep. I have my blankets and my pillows. Um, I'm going to find a nice cozy spot, a couple cardboard boxes down, and I'll be fine. Could you be able to sleep amid noise? Like, can you sleep six hours in a row when you're sleeping no, on the street? No, that's impossible. I, I get between two to four hours of sleep a night. You sleep during um, the day at all? You know, wherever I can, where, if I'm on a bus, I may rest my eyes and pass out a little bit, Um, but I get no rest. Hmm. Do you have any income, Quentin? I, I do. I do. I does receive um 219 Saga Cast, guys with a disability pending. Um, a diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, antidepressant, um, from uh, you know, um, and with this, not enough money to have a place to live. Absolutely not. But now you say you got a voucher. What's this program? So finally, you're gonna get okay. So this program gets cold. This program is um um coming from a rapid rehousing voucher bridge to supportive permanent housing. So um, it's been gratefully appreciated. I waited a long time for this um. Just don't understand the stigma why it takes so long, so many years. So when years. are you going to be able to use it? Well, um, today I'm going to look at apartment. Excellent. And uh, hopefully I can man. move in before the week is out. I know because it's getting cold now. Real cold. We did have a little break that most of the season, we still have some cold nights, but not as many as we usually have in October. I think it's going to be a very, very cold winter this year. And um, that's why I'm really getting the mouth chart right now because we, we, we it's, it's real cold and we don't deserve nobody to be out in the cold this winter. You know, we had a lot of deaths last year. We had two deaths in the bus stops downtown New Haven where the guys froze to death. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of things that um, has to be prevented this year. Mm -hmm. And uh, so let's talk about that. Quentin Staggers here on Dateline New Haven, WNHH Radio, your home for community radio, 103.5 FM, live streamed at newhavenadvent.org. Thanks for the comments, everybody. Melanie Espinel just wrote in. Nice, uh, nice segment. Thank you for your feedback, Melanie. So it's Wednesday, November 1st. Yes. And, you know, even though this could be replayed after the march, I want people to hear your story and why you're doing it. 3 o'clock, you're going to start at 57 Olive Street. What's at 57 Olive? 
fifty-seven olives is, is where we go for our breakfast for the homeless and oh, less fortunate. Sunrise Cafe. Sunrise Cafe. That's an awesome place. Right? That's, yes, it's, it's been a staple stone for us for our breakfast in the morning for the homeless and the and less a warm fortunate. Place, yeah. In a warm place and you know hot meal and it's, it's been it's been a blessing for for the Sunrise Cafe. How did you get involved in organizing March? I know that the groups behind it include the Connecticut Bail Fund yes. and the um, City of New Haven's even. Uh, no, no, I guess not. Uh, who else is putting this thing together? Well, we have we have Connecticut Bell Fund and myself. And so, uh, how did you get involved with this? Um, well, well, since I've been 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 homeless, I've seen a lot of unjust. Um, I've then uh, last year opened up a registered newspaper and saw that there was over seven hundred vacant properties in the city. I then went inside TD Bank myself and got two houses for the homeless. Um, I had sixty one. Certified homeless people that was plumbers, mason, roofers, electricians, landscapers, you know, all, all down to the carpentry and framing. And um, TD Bank gave me two houses. And I had no credentials at the time. I had no nonprofit credentials. So um, I found a police officer named Sergeant Davis. and uh, Right, Davis. Yes. And uh, he brought the uh, issue up to the mayor, let him know that TD Bank was willing to give us the houses. And I was shot down by Tony Hart. I was shot down. I was taken off the table. I asked why Habitat for Humane couldn't do the houses. And it was just taken off the table. And that wasn't right. And uh, so I continued to go harder. So then I went to 92 places that was in a city that had blighting problems. And I reached out to these landlords. And out of the 92 landlords, 43 of the landlords was willing to let homeless people live on their properties as long as they take care of the copper and the property itself. Because, you know, they have a lot of people that breaks inside these building places. So they say, well, let you sleep here if you watch it. Absolutely. Now, they're legally liable if something happens, though. If you guys get so, so, hurt in a fire, he can be sued. Well, well, that's that's what the stigmatization always comes from. You know, they put the stigmatization on a homeless person that doesn't, you know, want to live or don't know how to live. You know, and that's not right. You know, um, these are people, and like myself, that's willing to work, get out here every day and, and, and make sure that their life has changed and to give back to others. And, you know, we just need a roof over our heads because you can't do it. You'd have no rest so at Quentin all. So, Quentin Stagger, sounds like you're saying there are houses in New Haven that can home the homeless, that house the homeless. There are enough people, enough places if we just have the will to make it happen. Absolutely. So that's why you're doing this march. How did you link up with the Connecticut Bond Fund? Well, Bell see, Fund. Connecticut Bell Fund, um, and during our, our, our um, you know, our homeless and, and our community and the Homeless Foundation is that... Um, a lot of times we get arrested. A lot of times we get ticketed for places we're sleeping. A lot of times we get arrested for trespassing. And then Connecticut Bell Fund came to me, um, Brett Davison, and asked me that I know of any people who have been incarcerated, who have been arrested, who has been ticketed by the New Haven Police Department, who are homeless. And I said, yes, I have a couple people that's in jail now. And Connecticut Bell Fund bond them out of jail. You know, and we need this type of. Uh, so, where did you hear about the march? Was it your idea or their idea? Oh, this is my idea. I, I've, 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 I've dedicated, you know, these last ninety days into this march to lead this march, to organize this march, to um have people come out to go to different places, knock on these doors. Yeah, I've been, I've been hitting the pavement hard. You've been hitting the pavement hard, and uh, the three demands I see listed: decriminalize homelessness immediately. Provide housing and social services for every homeless person living in New Haven, and tax Yale University. It's 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 unbelievable that I've lived here all my life, 
and didn't know Yale didn't pay not one percent of taxes. Well, they pay taxes on property that isn't tax exempt, but right, they have exactly. a lot of property that's not. Yeah, absolutely. But if we would just tax that two percent, three percent, it it makes sort of it makes sort of difference. Now there are homeless people like yourself who are looking to have a place to live. There are some homeless people who don't want to come inside. I'm talking about the encampments by Marginal Drive by the river there. I'm talking by the yes, Tent City, Tent City, yes. and over under the overpass on anyone overpass in um in off State Street. What do you do about that? Well, see, here's the thing. You know, there's not enough case managing the correct way. There's there's not a lot of you know extra effort as far as coming to case managing. You know. There's times where people be homeless, you know, seven or ten years, and they get these housing vouchers, and they're just left in the house to just be there. They're not shown how to get back in the community. They're not showing how to shop again. They're not showing how to, you know, go handle their business the way they're supposed to, and they're they're just stuck with nothing, you know. And and I and I think that plays a a, a major part in it because, you know, there were people with mental illnesses that has to be looked upon and helped further. You know, it's, it's, it's sad that, you know, we can't get the outreach engagement and case managers to go an extra mile so that that way we won't end up back in the same revolving cycle. You know, um, the 10 city thing, there are people out there that are, you know, refuse to come inside to shelters because the way they ran. They got these people and myself going, this place, this program here, this program, and still two years down the line, you still have no housing. You know, it's not fair. You know, um, we need to get out and and, and, and help um, those less fortunate and homeless and, and, and just be by their side because it's so much of a struggle. You know, but like I said, there shouldn't be no one homeless. There's too many vacant housing properties all over the city that can be used to house you know the homeless and quentin stagger so last night you slept outside kitchen zinc from what time to what time i slept from kitchen zinc from nine to maybe 4 30 so you got a seven and a half hours there you won't get the seven and a half hours sleep so you you probably got like four hours sleep out of that because you're being woke up constantly by the by the noise um you're Where being, were you exactly? Were you in the garage? No, I'm in the. I was in the back of the um, zinc pizza. They got this little area where benches, not benches. It's just a little plain area where you can lay your cardboard down. Oh, and that's what I do. I Is lay it, my. But that's cardboard. the alley behind all the other restaurants and stuff. Yes, right? yes. And people are walking through all night. Yes, aren't they? people walking through. Some people. Sometimes people throw things at me. Like what? You know, bottles, tr- trash. You know, you. absolutely. Why are they bothering you? Um, I don't know, man. I just think that they they think it's okay to like you know, throw things and assault homeless people. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. Tell me about the night you'll never forget sleeping out on the street. Well. There was a time that, um, you know, I had a call-in. I think I had a call-in. Um, What's a call-in? Um, I just I just felt that I, I, I oh, was... a calling. Yes. I, I just felt that it was. this was a time for me to just cry out and, and ask God to give me favor on what I'm about to do. Um, it was a night where, you know, um, I had nowhere to, to use the bathroom. Yeah, where do you go to the bathroom at night? Um, you know, sometimes I just have to find a little cozy spot. And I find myself um, 
having to go to number two, seeing feces come out of me and in the cold. Um, happened to use Dunkin' Donut toilet toilet napkins to wipe myself. Um, and I said, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm gonna get on my high horse and I'm gonna help people like myself and let and, and homeless and less fortunate other people because we don't need to go through this. You know, we can't go inside the bathrooms and restaurants no more unless we buy something. Um, sometimes they tell us, you know, the bathroom's out of order. You know, um, and it's sad because then we gotta urinate. And, and, and use the bathroom outside that causes tickets. You know, I fought for the porta potties on the New Haven Green, and they put them out there for a week, and then they took them back. So now every time you see us go use the bathroom by a tree or we got to go to the bathroom somewhere real bad, we get ticketed and we get locked up for it. You know, things like that. Like, you know there should be porta potties around here for the working class and the homeless people or the people that's visiting downtown on the Green. And then you take them all. So now that forces us into the library, New Haven libraries, City Hall. I wash in City Hall. I bathe in City Hall. You know, um, wherever I can go bathe and use the bathroom, I do it. And uh, so Sunday night, Quentin Staggers, we had a 56 mile an hour winds and a rainstorm. Where were you? Um, I slept on the courthouse. Which, which, which courthouse? High court. High court steps. El, um, El, Elm and uh, Church? Church and... It's the one-way street here, Wall Street. Wall street. Um, usually, we usually sleep right there when it rains because it covers the rain and doesn't comes in. Plus, they also have a camera up there. We feel that we're protected. Um, That's so interesting. So the camera helps you. Absolutely, because I witnessed attacks. I've been attacked before, um, sleeping on a bench. Um, you know, we got these um, inner-city kids that come down and just harass and throw trash and sucker punch people while they sleep. And, you know, this is the things that we go through. You know, You've and been it, sucker punched in your Oh, sleep. absolutely. I, That's I've, terrible. I've done had a, one of the trash cans slammed on me while I was sleeping on a bench oh my downtown New Haven. So, so, you know, so how many of you were on the courthouse steps the other night? Twelve. Twelve? Yes. And is it usually that many? Sometimes we can get 20. Wow. Yeah. So how many people are living out in the street right now in New Haven? I could tell you this. My community is, is, is the, the community that I see every day is between 35 to 70. Wow. Yeah. Well, Quentin Staggers, you're doing something about it. Absolutely. I hope that today you find an apartment and that you're going to be warm and safe all winter long and beyond. God bless you. In the meantime, you're trying to help all the homeless people in New Haven yes. find permanent housing, and you're launching a march on Wednesday, November 1st, yes. 3 o'clock. It starts 3 p.m. at 57 Olive Street. It's called Housing Not Jails. Yes. And you're inviting everybody to meet you there at the Sunrise Cafe near the corner of Chapel and Olive. Yes, I am. Well, the New Haven one. Independent will be there. And uh, I hope, as Tara Sandoval Schaefer writes in, much love and respect, Quentin. Yes. Thank you, and God bless all. I hope to see you tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Keep marching. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us today in Dateline New Haven on WNHH Radio. Thanks to our guests, Justin Farmer and Quentin Staggers. Don't forget, Housing Not Jails, November 1st, starting 3 p.m. at 57 Olive Street. We're going to take it out with the Afro-Semitic Experience, performing our Wish I Knew How It Feel to Be Free from the group CD, A Plea for Peace. Yes. Now we know what it's like to be free. Absolutely. We just got to remember to book our flight. That's right. Book your flight with us all day and all night long here at WNHH, New Haven's home for community radio. Mm-hmm.